Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Well, we just have to thank you because uh, ever since we've posted the new trailer in front of the Miata piece, we've noticed mm -hmm. an uptick in listeners to this podcast. You know that? Yeah. We've been yep, noticing right. well, more and more of you finding us and listening and look and listening to back episodes, which is great. Which is wonderful. I mean, but but here's the thing: the trailer so far, and again, that's on the front of the Miata piece, and it's going to be on most of our bigger pieces this year because we realized, due to a couple of you asking some questions and, and kind of uh, polling us on a few things, that there's a lot of people out there that just don't realize the range of our content. And mm -hmm. we've had a lot of you yep. write us and say, "Hey, I've been watching your videos forever, and I just realized you have a podcast." And so we looked at each other and we said, "Okay, we have to get the word out somehow yeah. to all the people yeah. that are watching the YouTube videos but don't realize the other places that we." are so that's the, the intention for that so far thank you your response has been great paul's right on that that's awesome yeah it's pretty cool and so as you know we podcast generally on mondays to release on a tuesday and so i'll post up on facebook you know thoughts comments questions you guys have been writing in which is great we can't it's always great. get to everything but we're gonna we're gonna sure try we're gonna pick some good ones here and we've got a, and we've try got a to get huge some night tonight yeah this is I mean, pretty you guys great are sending <laughs> regular car debates you're sending uh, all of these good questions on Facebook. You're also sending a few questions just via, via Gmail. We are, I, I, I say this over and over, but it is incredibly true. We are at least reading everything we get, which sometimes is an astounding volume. In fact, <laughs> I, I have created a problem for myself because I try really hard because of, of wife and son and family. I try really hard to not read stuff over the weekend. I try to just disengage yeah, from it over yeah, the weekend. Yeah, you mentioned that. But then I, get, then I get to Monday morning and I go, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I need like like clear the morning just to try to catch up. So we do read it all. So thank you. In fact, and I'm saying this almost out of turn. Paul's going to be mad at me, but we are considering, we are con seriously considering doing maybe a couple of extra podcasts a month, like maybe two weeks a month we'll do like a Friday release as well because yeah, we're realizing yeah. that the volume from you guys is big enough. We could probably support that. I, I will acknowledge that's still just in the discussion phases, but I just wanted you to know acknowledge how many of you are writing in thank you and the fact that we are reading them all and wanting to get to more of them so maybe we'll do more we'll see we're trying <laughs> well so the takeaway here is please only write to us between 1 and 1 30 p.m on wednesdays only <laughs> on the second third of every month and yeah. exactly exactly right yes <laughs> anyway no well speaking and of our questions, assistant will get back to you is the other part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly well yeah. we might give you an automated response just kidding anyway uh -huh. uh, um, we, we really want to personalize it. So it does take a long time to get through everything because we're here. We, we're immersed in what you guys are listening to, and we love that you're so engaged. And we've got a couple of guys who very much are engaged writing to us. First of all, yep. Ryan in Canada. Ryan, your email was enormous. Unbelievable. Yes. And the it almost here, came in two emails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it did. It's a, it's a little flip book here. Um, the, the takeaway is uh, Ryan is 30, and he is the youngest member of his senior management team for his uh -huh. company and really doesn't want to show up as bosses because he's a car enthusiast. <laughs> this is going to be fun because he's got gr a great story and great suggestions. 
I decent budget. Yeah, I mean a it, decent it, it, budget. And I actually want to speak. I actually want to speak to the perception versus reality part of that car debate when we get there because I just had an experience personally in the past week that made me made me kind of appreciate where Ryan is. So I'm looking forward to talking about that for all of those reasons. Keep going. Yeah. Well, we've also got Ashton. I'm not sure where he lives. Not sure where he's writing in from. He didn't really say, but he does travel around uh, the East Coast of the United States quite a bit. A lot. Yeah. In a current mm -hmm. Ford Flex, which I have to laugh, and I, I just want everybody to know that Todd's wife hates the Ford Flex with such an intensity, I can't even explain it. Like it, her, it's her to the point where is, is astounding. I, I don't. I'm worried about teasing her. Like I've teased her a fair amount, and now I'm sort of worried about teasing her too much because she'll. Yeah. I, I don't know what she'll do. And just yeah, it's, it's the it's refrigerator. Like instant instant road side. rage when she sees one. I'm not. I'm not sure why. Yeah. We have we have not tipped the scales for some reason. But you know, and I think everybody has this. When you start to get into cars, you have a few that just get under your skin. I yeah. can't explain to yeah. you why. I actually kind of like the flex, which makes it a little bit worse. <laughs> But she exactly. just cannot stand oh, that she car. Hates so you're right. Anytime I read about somebody having a Ford Flex, I just think, okay, well, Steer, you clear of my wife, and on we go. <laughs> like I, I want to make a crack. I want to, you know, do a little jab. But then I think, eh, maybe not. Yeah, We've kind of beat that one to death. And um, so he's looking for something different than the fridge tipped on its side. As yes, uh, a is. new family hauler. So but he's, he's like totally and they're, and they're different great budget. Haulers. They great are. Haulers, they yeah. are. I mean, that's what he's looking for. It's totally different budget, totally different needs than Ryan. So we've got Ashton to uh, to to uh, dice up here with uh, with his choices. Yep. So that sounds like it's going to be fun, but too. But we've got a cool question prior. And also, we've got a couple other little news items that have happened in the last week that we want to at least touch on. But uh, Frank wrote in on our Gmail and asked about the proliferation of crossovers. You know, obviously, crossovers are not only are they the most popular market segment, but everybody is not only making now a crossover, but a sporty version of that crossover. <laughs> and you wind up with things that shouldn't exist, okay? Like the, the X5M and, you know, the Audi. In fact, I saw one just yesterday. It was the Audi Q. No, that's wrong. The Audi SQ5, okay? SQ5. I mean, it's, it's just, yeah. What does do, that do? Do we need... Do we need a sporty version of every little thing that is trying to be a mini truck with the... Oh, stop already. But his question is, <laughs> since this is everyone is doing one, is it going to help those of us that like sedans, especially fast sports sedans, to get into one? Are those going to drop in resale value? And to be completely honest with you, Frank, I have no idea, but I do hope so. There's my answer. <laughs> you you hope they that uh, that's the sports sedans drop in price? Just for the rest of us in as enthusiasts? In resale. That's what he's, that's what oh, he's yeah, saying. Yeah, he's yeah. hoping. He's hoping that those – I mean, I'll give you the obvious – I'm sorry we beat on it because it's, it's such an obvious overlooked car. But is a Chevy SS going to plummet in value while the quasi-sporty SUV of the same size hangs on to its value better so that right. those of us that want to buy right. a used, nice sports sedan can go, look at the deal I got. And I, I do. I hope so. But I have no idea. I mean, because the, the other problem is, I will say this, the other problem is SUVs in general, because they are so sought after, there mm -hmm. is a supply and demand thing there. The sporty versions of those theoretically sure. should hang on to a bit of value because people are going to be wanting them and looking for them. So they'll hang on to value that way. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you never know which enthusiast car is going to randomly be found and hang on to value. So we'll see. True, true. I, I, it's hard to speculate here. I kind of hope so too. I'm with Todd here. I just, yeah, it's, it's amazing how quickly this, this new BMW is the king of this, this new niche, you know, insert a car category where there 
uh, there wasn't one before and I, you didn't know one existed, swear, but the marketing people I know. shoved one in there and you thought, oh, I, yeah, I guess I, I, I do swear need that. Huh. Monday mornings at BMW must be some guy walking in with a fresh coffee going, I found someone, I found a car we can sell 50 people to, to 50 people. I know a car that 50 people in the world will buy if we'll just make this car. And he just like parts Ben pulls stuff off a list and goes, that car, there's 50 people according to our latest market research that will buy that car. And BMW goes, hmm, what's the nomenclature for that one? Let's buy it. And so, I mean, oh, the, stop. The X4.5M Transport. Now with a slightly yeah. low. Okay, ours is a little bit bigger than the smallest category of the CUV of our closest competitor because that mattered. So, yeah, and they're we're not, not sure. And while they pioneered it, they are no longer the only person that is, that could be accused of this. I mean, everyone is doing it, but they are the pioneers of it. And uh, yeah, whatever whatever random weird shape <laughs> SUV you thought you might want, somebody's going to make it because they think six of you out there. Which is, you know, here's the sad thing: you contrast that with sports cars. Sure. When a sports car sells True to fifty people, cars. yeah, actual sport. Uh, the the FRS BRZ is a great mm -hmm. example. The yeah. GTR is another good example. When a when a focused was designed only to be a sports car on a specific dedicated chassis, when that's released and doesn't sell to more than fifty people, the 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 marketing department goes, you know. That, well, not the marketing part. The whole company kind of goes, you know, I don't know that we should do a second generation because that didn't sell well. Mm -hmm. But the G, the GT version of the 5 Series Beamer, that thing we're going to make a revision of because 50 people bought it, but we think 100 people will buy it if we actually revise the tail at the end of the back glass. Really? Ugh. We hope none of you people listening are marketing people because uh, I'm sure some of, some people are. But yeah, it's it seems like marketing drives everything rather than it does true it car does. guys. Because here we've got Cyan as the brand that's gone away, and yeah, people just sort of aren't buying the cars. Although I will say, in the case of the FRS, they didn't increase the horsepower, and to their detriment, in my opinion, they should have true, and but put that out there. That's my but opinion. at the same time, look look at the Z car, for example. Look at the GTR, for that matter, which has increased every single year. There is a finite number of people with actual... I, I realize all of us as enthusiasts go, I want to buy that sports car. Whenever some new one is released, well, I want to buy that sports car. But then there's a tiny segment that actually has, A, the cash to do so, and B, the actual timing in their life to actually go buy it. And I submit to you that the reason the FRS and BRZ have not sold better is not because... Of they didn't bump the horsepower, but because all the people that wanted one new bought one, and now they're still making them, and those guys already have them, and and the GTR, you know, sure, every year a little sure, bit better, yeah. but that's not a high volume car. It's one of like the lowest selling cars every year because of what it is. Those guys, that's a that's a that's a niche buyer right there, and those guys will buy it, and everybody else will go, oh, the GTR is awesome, and go buy something else. <sighs> what to do? Except just uh, just hope and pray that uh, cool sports cars are still made, that everybody doesn't decide to just go buy a CUV or SUV or something like that and make them handle better. But truly, sports cars still are cherished in the yeah. marketplace for well, people like you listening. So uh, I'm, I'm going so. to try to segue here. You know, we've got the 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 hatch sized. Focus RS coming, and speaking of the Focus RS, the Ken Block latest, hey, I'm now sponsored by Ford, that dropped in this past week, the new Gymkhana yeah, 8. Yeah, Dubai happened to uh, to the Gymkhana. Oh, my gosh. And well, Todd but, and I have decided that it all it takes is a gigantic checkbook to throw at Dubai, 
and you can mm-hmm. have anything you want. You can do anything. You can go anywhere, do anything, have anything you want. You can make it happen, unlike the regulated place that is the well, U.S. for laws. And you, you and I watched. You and I watched seven and eight back to back. Seven was L.A. and of course we've shot it all around L.A. We know yeah. how to shoot in L.A. Yep. And we know the difficulties of shooting in L.A. So you had seven and eight back to back, and it was interesting to me to think about the contrast of it because, you know. L.A. is just a difficult place to shoot, and it's very production savvy. So they want to make sure you have all of your ducks in a row and all of your paperwork, and do you have your insurance, and where are your people that are guarding the set? And, I mean, it goes on and on. You wouldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. In a place like Dubai, honestly, from what I understand, there's far less regulations, and I think, it, like as Paul's saying, I think it's just throw money at the problem. Whereas L.A., at some point, your money now runs into the fact that there is a lawyer with a form, and we have to make sure this is done this way. Or a cop so on a motorcycle with laws and saying, do you have a permit for that? Well, but, and yeah. Well, but he has... He, but he has a form too. He's carrying course, the form, of course. Or he can give you the phone number for the person who will give you the form. But they're not actually in the office today. So anyway, yeah, they come okay. in on Wednesdays but, between one and one thirty. So that's, that's right around the same time we're accepting emails. Exactly. There's, 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 there's exactly that really right. finite. Yeah. But anyway, so that Dubai thing, if you've not seen it yet, because of course he needs the views. But if you have not seen it yet, go watch that Jim Connor eight. And you know the funny thing is, uh, Ken Block is based here in Park City. It's one of those small world moments that we laugh about because he's here. We have a lot of common friends, but we've never actually run into him. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to do so, but it's one of those, you work in these circles and this schedule, and we work in an opposite one. But yet, how small a world is this? Now, look, we're not claiming we're Ken Block. We don't have a quarter of that viewership. I get it. But come on. We have a, a well-established YouTube channel, Car Presence, and so do you. That's a pretty small world. Let's, yeah, apparently you know, have, his kids go to school here. in Park City. I mean, apparently yeah, his kids are here in Park City so, somewhere, and his shop is yeah. somewhere like five minutes from uh, his, where his we live. His shop is ex- exactly between where you and I live. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we pass it anytime we go to the other one's house. It's, it's kind of insane. It's so, pretty funny. Ken, at some point, hi, we're going to meet you. Uh, because, uh, it, honestly, if it, it's going to be a kind of thing where we're going to bump into you when we aren't planning to. Because that's the way this town works. But mm-hmm. anyway, it'll happen. Well, let's um, keep uh, keep rocking towards what I wanted to get to. And that's yeah. very quickly. It's the Geneva oh. Motor Show wrap-up here. Mm. And just some notable cars got dropped. Uh, some interesting, more entry-level cars from Toyota and Audi, but there's a couple that I did want to touch on. The first being the Bugatti Chiron, and then the Porsche Uh 911R, which I have a gigantic, serious case of of the wants for that car. Yeah, But I did want to touch on this. I wanted to touch on this Chiron because I read an article just today, as a matter of fact, written by a contributor to Road & Track. His name's Jason Harper, Mm -hmm. and if you have not read this article... It's actually fantastic because it's entitled Bugattis are boring. And it really mm-hmm. has to do with numbers. I mean, the new car, when the Veyron came out, everybody said, oh, well, how, how can you top that? I mean, it, it is yeah. all about yeah, numbers. Yeah. The new Chiron mm-hmm. is even more so. If you think about Absolutely. it, it's only three miles an hour faster than the old car. If Porsche had come out with a model like that, you'd say, really? That's it? But at this level, three miles an hour is a lot. So... Well, this car, yeah, keep going. This car is all about numbers, including price. It's just, mm-hmm. it's such a bragging rights car. Whether how much fuel it uses, or how much it costs Thank to maintain it, or right. how much it costs, or f- how fast it mm-hmm. is, and I and I decided, you know what? I wonder how many Veyrons are currently for sale. Just, I mean, who okay. goes and buys okay. a used Veyron? Because they're not yeah. cheap. Yeah, you're I think right. you're I right. found yep. seven for sale, and I think, okay, so you have that car and. 
yeah, it's fast to do some zero to 60 runs and there's not too many places on the planet where you can sustain 260 miles an hour. I mean, maybe the bottom well, of the salt flats an hour from here, but then you've got a salt encrusted $2 million car. So but what good is it? That's what I'm asking. You know, honestly, the, the, I, I agree with you. The Chiron is actually even more unusable than the Veyron. <laughs> yeah. That's what they've created. It's it's It's, it's going to be the better part of $3 million, more than twice the cost of the Veyron. And it is going to be even less usable because it has so much power, so much. I mean, it is. It's, it's, so it's literally. They went, down, they went down the spec sheet of their last Veyron and went, check every box that we made it better. Check every box that we made it bigger. Okay, let's go. I will say this, though, about the Chiron. I never liked the look of the Veyron. It never grew on me. I never mm-hmm. found it attractive. Sure, I just sure. kept thinking, you have bought a multi-million dollar borderline eyesore. I never got it. I was impressed by the stats, but never got it. I think this Chiron is actually attractive. Oh, yeah. And I agree. ultimately, this is a car that the bragging rights are so high you're never going to touch any of them. Yeah. So you, so I have to think, when you're in a car like that, it has to look great also. In, in addition to, I mean, this was in the problem with the Gumpert, for example. The Gumpert, an amazing car stats-wise, really awful to look at. I mean, not an attractive car. But right, right. This Chiron here, I think it solves the Veyron's biggest problem, and that is it's just good to look at. Because a car like this, honestly, you aren't going to go out, rent out, the salt flats or a NASA runway or Aerolessine where they test it, you're not going to hit that top no, speed. It's no. never going to happen. So it better be something that when you do drive it around Beverly Hills, which is what's going to happen, that it looks great. Or Dubai. And I also Pretty think, I don't, know if you noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, Paul, and I'm sure you did, actually. I love the number of crescent moon shapes they've used. Back to like the old Bugatti Type 57 that has all of those in it. It just mm-hmm. it looks like it's got a connection to their heritage. It's even got a crescent moon in the center line of the interior yeah. that matches the crescent on the outside. I mean, look, this is all stuff that I've learned to notice just because of hanging out with you. But I love the look <laughs> of this car. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, all that to say, as much as we're being contrarians for this car, it exists because mankind can. We can build stuff like yeah. this. I mean, yeah. what is the point of this car other than to torture metal and fabrics and all kinds of materials so into this shape and sell it for uh-huh. this astronomical price tag and 99.9% of the public will never ever get to taste it or try it or sit in it or drive it. Oh, I would say 99% of the public will never even see one. Maybe not even see one. Yeah. Yeah. Forget forget ride-ins or or drive. I I say see one. Most people will never even get get that chance. I mean, if your license tag could be long enough, it should just read, because I can. If you can afford this and you can buy it, my, my next challenge for Bugatti owners is drive them because of all those seven that i found yeah, for sale absolutely. they all had about two thousand miles on them pretty much rolling in and out of glass showrooms and garages and yeah. how many of them were really hammered on i mean you just do you see dirt on a veyron will you see dirt on a chiron probably not yeah i mean who, fair point fair who point. really hammers well, on these cars it could probably take it just fine it's probably very well built mm-hmm. but well, you would hope so never hope so, be yes. driven as hard as car enthusiasts want them to so well, that's my challenge. I mean, I, I come I come back to, you know, and I'm sorry to beat on our long-term owner car again, beat the drum for it, but the FRS and the Miatas, two cars we've driven recently. 
I just one of the things that one of the main things I like about both those cars is those are cars you can go out. I will be the first in line to say yes, they're underpowered. But you can go out and use everything that's there tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Wherever you are, go out tomorrow morning and use everything that car can do. Find a road and you can do it. And I'm going to look that far. I the more things we drive, the more I find I prefer to take a car and ring it out and be able to actually find the upper limits of what it can do than to be in something and realize I'm using 10% of its capability. At that point I start to go, what am I doing? Why why am I teasing the car? Is the car teasing me? It's I I'm becoming a little biased in that regard, but I hear you. I mean, wow, I hear you're you. right. The the, the Chiron is is a, like an Apollo Eleven moment. I mean, we're going to go to the moon. We're not sure why, but let's go to the moon. You know, I mean, <laughs> we yeah. can. I mean, so the conclusion here is that I really want a Chiron mainly just because the tires cost forty two thousand dollars per set. That's really the only reason I want it. So there Love you it. go. But the car wants more. Tire rack. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, tire rack coming right up. I'm not even sure exactly. where to source those. Um, but the car I want even more is this 911R that debuted at the Geneva yep. Motor Show. I am pretty much about to hurt myself. I want this car so badly. I, have you read the I, specs I about this wish, car? Ugh. I wish I was surprised. Um, I'm going to talk about how surprised I am right now. You ready? Here I go. I, yeah. If you have not seen or heard of this 911R, I'll just give you the quick, just a quick taste. Mm-hmm. It's the GT3 mm-hmm. motor with a manual transmission, the end. It is a driver uh-huh. purist. It's it's brought back. I mean, they they listen to everybody. I'm thrilled. They're 190,000 euros, and I I really really want one. Do I need one? No. I mean, but I need one. Well, yeah. I just I yeah yeah. One. I mean, it's 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 everything that's great about the new the new GT3 combined with everything that was great about the old GT3. It's it's like a merging of the two. Yeah, and yeah, I could see that. Fantastic, see that. fantastic. Yeah, really cool. I mean, you know, not anything close to an everyday driver car, but uh, you know, in our world. But at the same time, <laughs> wow. I mean, this is really. And, and what's you know, I will say this. You know, we were just talking about Bugattis. You know, they do eight thousand different special edition variations, and it's just in order to sell you the one-off car that nobody else can get. Porsche does a great job when they make a special edition car. Their GTS models are a great example. But but this car, this 911R, is a great example where they spec something out and they use their own spec sheet and they make a car that is specced better than you thought possible and then they offer it for sale. Yeah, they do that yeah. very well. And this 911R is a great one. I do agree with that. You're going to have to saw off your left arm and trade that in just to afford one. And then you can't properly drive well, but, it, but, you know. Whatever. Exactly, because then you still get a shift. But anyway, yeah, shift, moving on. But, all right. Well, I guess we should uh, jump into some car debates here. And, uh, we should. Yeah. Like I told you at the top of the podcast here, I'm really intrigued with Ryan's email here. He's up in Canada, mm-hmm. and he has been listening. He actually found us through the FT86 Club Forum, speaking of that long-term car. Mm-hmm. I mean, look how much yep. how much traction, how widespread that thing's gotten. I, I really love yep. that. So he found us there, and he is really intrigued about a next car. And like mm-hmm. I said, the, the big conclusion, the big takeaway for Ryan is that he is 30. He is the youngest member of his senior management team at the company he works for, and he's kind of worried about showing up his bosses. I, I, <laughs> I, I want to get there, but that's as you listen yeah. to his story, as you listen to what he's interested in, sort of keep that in the back of your mind. I say that up front because I wanted, well, I wanted our listeners to know where we're going with this because that's sort of like the surprise – Here's where we're going with things. But I want, but, I want but everybody me, to hear but, his story here. But I want to land one more part of that, and that is he works for a conservative company. And right, while right. he's you know, at a fairly senior role at a young age, 
the the sexiest car in the parking lot. Like you know, this is not a, a you know, one of those little Silicon Valley startups where every car is cool. This is the the sexiest car in the parking lot is one of is the president of the company happens to drive an X5M. Now that's a car I don't understand the point of, but that is at least an expensive <laughs> car. But the other high ranking person in the company drives a ten year old Durango. So this is not a parking lot that is flashy. So he is having that that kind of car enthusiast crisis of conscience where he goes, I want to buy something because I want to put money into cars and I love cars and I want to drive a car that I love. But what does that say when I roll into my parking lot and I've got the most baller vehicle? He's just, he hasn't decided. He's in that quandary and it's a fair quandary. I want to get back to a story on that in a minute, but this is where he starts. Keep mm-hmm. going. All right. So he has uh, owned some fun cars in the past. He had an MR2, a 1988 MR2. He really mm-hmm. loved this car. He had an O2 BMW M3, so that E36 M3. Really loved that car, but he hated it because it was a money pit. He's had Honda uh, Civic yeah. SIs, 06 and a 2014. Wow, that was totaled too. Huh, I was just reading and, this, and Ryan. Now, huh. And now he has a 2014 Cadillac ATS 2 liter, which he loves the dynamics and with most everybody else, isn't that fond of the engine and hates the Q system. So at least it's not just you. It is everyone that feels that way about that car. But he has a lease on it, and the lease is kind of coming up. His wife has a Honda Fit, so they have the kind of uh, do-everything uh, car. But the, the ATS has been his double duty, his nice car, and also his you know fun car at the same time, because it does have great dynamics in that chassis. But since the lease is coming up, he's looking for flat-out fun, and he's worried about, as we said before, What's too flashy? He's driven the BRZ. He's wondering about the Focus RS, but he admits he hates the Focus ST dynamics and interior. So not dynamics, but the ergonomics and interior. Mm -hmm. Wondering about the Golf R, wondering about the M2, wondering about the new Camaro. Apparently he's doing a lot of wondering. And on his (laughs) list is the Porsche Cayman. All of this bumps up against, wait a minute, what if I pull onto the car lot at my work with a really flashy car? What do I do then? Although it occurs to me, as we're talking here, Ryan, you did say that you work at a conservative German pharmaceuticals company. So that uh-huh. means you could always justify it by saying, look, I'm driving a German car. I'm supporting Germany. I'm you know, just trying to yeah, do my part. You could. you could sort of play that off. But I think the ultimate thing is get ready to do some explaining. Just get, just buckle your seatbelt <laughs> and get ready to do some explaining to everybody who sees your car roll in. Now, that doesn't yeah. mean you can't buy well and surprise everybody like you know whatever car you end up getting you got it for that much i had no idea those had dropped so low but the perception is going to remain so get ready to do some explaining you're gonna have to say look no 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 i didn't pay that much or i i paid a lot less than you think i did and it's a better car but that's that's the that's the car enthusiast approach you're just i love that that's where you're going because i'm totally there i mean i had this experience i told you about this i had this experience last week i had a weird experience and this is going to sound honestly i will acknowledge this story is going to sound like i live a much more high dollar life than i really do but uh i just i, I looked at oh, my, I, calendar. I know this my story. son I know my son was is. finishing his ski <laughs> lessons for the year my son is six he was finishing his ski lessons for the year which i will acknowledge is a consumptive expensive pastime but he was expensive finishing his ski lessons for the year and i just decided okay i'm not gonna work on friday and I'm going to go and ski with him during his last ski lesson. My wife and I are going to go. We're going to ski with him. That'll be really cool. Which means I'm not going to work, which means I'm not getting paid. That's how my my job works. I didn't take a vacation day. I don't go to work. I don't get salary. So uh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Not going to get paid. So we drive to the parking lot 
in our mid $20,000 Porsche Cayenne. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Not an expensive car. We park in the parking lot, and the guy working parking lot duty is a guy I actually happen to know in Park City. And he sees me get out of this Porsche Cayenne, and he goes, whoa, man, I didn't know business was going that well for you. Congratulations on the Porsche. You're pulling up on a Friday and going skiing in your Porsche. You must be doing great. And I'm thinking, perception is not reality. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I want to say to you right here, Ryan, because that is the thing about car enthusiasts, especially if you buy well. And one of the things that I have said to people, and be careful how you phrase this, but one of the conversations when people have asked me questions about it is I ask them what their car cost. When they come at me with, Hey, I can't believe you were able to afford that. I mean, you really want to get a car that's that expensive? I say, okay, what's your monthly payment? Because I know they drive a one-year-old Camry or they just bought the family minivan. Because in most cases, my monthly payment is the same or less than theirs. Right, right. So you um... you can start a conversation there really easily by just getting into a conversation about, look, I just shopped for a specific car used for the same kind of budget you're working with. I, that, that, it's, I feel like it can be an educational conversation and a fun way as a car enthusiast to just say, here's what's important to me. Yes. I, I am a little tiny bit concerned because I love that story. And you know how I just said that you should buy well? I, I might contradict myself as I keep uh-huh. talking here. And I'm slightly concerned, but I will say I, I've told this story, another story for you, Ryan. I've told this story before. And that is about my dad. When he was in the aviation insurance business, he would mm-hmm. call mm-hmm. on guys and drive into, you know, their small hangar. Who'd call on uh, the crop sprayer guys and you know, general aviation sure, sort sure. of guys that have an yeah, airplane, yeah, yeah. and they've got all their money wrapped up in the airplane. But he had a Volvo, mm-hmm. uh, what was it, S eighty, that was nice, but it was no BMW or Mercedes or some sort of flashy car. It was it was fine, mm-hmm. and he'd mm-hmm. roll up to the hangar. And they'd sort of grumble under their breath, like, oh, I'm paying my insurance guy too much money. Look what kind of flashy car he drives. And he's like, it's a, it's a Volvo. Yeah. It's, a, it's a Volvo. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. But on the contrary, if he would fly into their airport in his airplane, he's one of the boys. You know, it's it like, cost, you know, it's 10 perception. times the Volvo. It, yeah, yeah, you're 10 right. 10 times you're the Volvo. Right. And yeah. it's like, well, okay. So, yes, keeping that in mind. But Ryan did give us a sixty to $70,000 budget to work with. And so I targeted that I know. I know. in my shopping. And I'm rubbing my hands together with glee because I, I think of course you are. I think I found something that's going to really intrigue him. I started with okay. the Camaro. I agreed with the Camaro. I like that. Interesting place yeah. to start. And I thought, okay, yeah, what about that uh, Lexus RC or the RCF that we drove? It's in the category mm-hmm. of, like you've said before, it's eights at many levels. It's very good sure. in sure. many categories. It's not necessarily standout in one or the other. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I thought, okay, liked it at the track. That might appeal. It's a little bit of a different look. Japanese, you might be able to get away with, okay, you know, something sensible, but still kind of luxurious and sure. fun. I liked the Cayman suggestion, Ryan. I I really I love the Cayman suggestion, and you could justify I, it I by look. I work for a German company. I German car. Do you get it anyway? Um, well, I'm but I'm going to say to you. I'm going to say to you if you shop Caymans, especially if this is your concern. If you shop Caymans, get a two year old one. Get one coming oh, yeah. off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not and necessarily then, new. And then Definitely. don't don't go out with your sixty seventy thousand dollars and try to buy yourself a new Cayman. Buy one at forty forty five at the most. And get an incredible car that was probably list price off the lot seventy grand. You got it for almost half. That's that's the way to buy your Cayman because it's going to run well, and and that's that's not a car to apologize for at all. 
And it, it's weird because it's got that Porsche badge on the hood, but everybody looks at a 911 and assumes supercar, assumes right, expensive. Right. And they are expensive. The Cayman, yes, you have the Porsche perception, but it isn't. It does. It says something a little bit different than the 911 does, but keep going. With all that leftover money, you know, that $25,000 in extra cash, you could buy like a lot of gold jewelry and like a flashy watch to sort of make up for it. <laughs> I don't know. Wrong story. <laughs> Keep going. So I thought, okay, if you want to really have to explain yourself, but then tell people, look what you I bought this have car to for. Explain yourself. Oh, I, I thought of the Lotus Evora because those are right in the sweet spot. And sure. I, I mean, I sure. found an S for 65 grand. And you can't, mm-hmm. people would be shocked because it looks like far more than 65 yeah. grand. And that yeah. is very close to new. That was a 2014 or 2015 car. Sure, sure. And and people would be shocked. They'd say, no, no, you didn't pay that much for it. It's a pretty high-strung sports car. We really love it. But then that brought me to this, which I'm, I'm excited Uh-oh. about. I'm excited. Okay. It's okay. a bit on the flashy side, but if you get a two-year-old used one of these – you could find your sweet spot of all the things that you're looking for because the Camaro was, uh-huh. yeah, not that great visibility. It was okay in some areas, not great in others. I th- the BRZ wasn't powerful enough. The BMW scared him because of repair costs. I mean, yeah. I said, yeah, he's got his list of, of pros and cons here. Keep going. You know, Focus RS being like, yeah, it's great and all, but it's a little plasticky and, yeah. you know, interior. So where did you land? Looking for so where on earth did you land? Sports car hot. It makes a statement, but it's not too over the top, and that is <laughs> no. uh, a Jaguar F-Type Coupe, the F-Type S, mm. if you want the V8. Say 2013 or 2014, I went shopping for sure. you, sure. and I found them in the 65 to 70,000 price range. I mean, that's that's pushing uh-huh. it. It's not buy a 911 for 4550. It it's not, mm-hmm. but it is a statement. I don't think... I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong here about this, the making a statement part, because if you yeah. pull up in that, people are gonna, wow. But it's not a hundred grand. You didn't go nuts. And my yeah. my very big caveat, Ryan, for you is, yeah, the executives of your company drive lesser cars, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But what mm-hmm. do they put their money into? Are they into vacations? Are they into yeah. travel? Or Everybody, Everybody has, has a, a money hole. pit. They have their hole Everybody down. Everybody has money. a money pit. You're absolutely. Do they right. have a boat? Do they go right. sailing? Do they own a private jet and they just drive a dumpy Durango? So you could say, well, look, my mm-hmm. it's my, there somewhere. My proclivity is cars. I love cars. Yeah, you're right. I you're put my right. money into cars, and that's my, my thing. My favorite part. My favorite part about this. My favorite part about <laughs> this. You and I have so tipped our hand here because poor Ryan comes to us and goes, <laughs> guys. I'm really worried about what people are going to say if I drive a flashy car. And our answer, our universal answer is, Ryan, go buy a flashy car. I love that that we've just kind of done a middle finger of suggestion to anybody around Ryan who would question. But I honestly am going to stay there because people's perception of cars, and I realize this the more things I drive and I own, people's perception of cars, there's no way to get ahead of it. No, You never know what somebody's going to know about a car or assume about a car. So you've got to buy the stuff that that you know and you love, and then you have to educate when it when you bump into it because it's just. And I told my wife honestly when we bought our Cayenne, I said, "Honey, 
we live in Park City, Utah, and you now drive a Porsche. Be nice. <laughs> Be nice. Because people yeah. are going are not yeah. going to know that this is a $25,000 car. They're going to assume there is a snotty, well-taken-care-of woman. And my wife works hard. She has yeah, a couple of jobs. Yeah, she does. Okay? So she is, she's hardworking. I'm hardworking. We are not rich. We just aren't. But driving that nice Cayenne around, it was like, people are going to assume you're just this well-taken-care-of bitch. I'm sorry they're going to think that. So just be nice in your Porsche. I mean, and she a... kind of looked at me initially, and then she's realized, no, that's that's a thing. So that's you can't get ahead of people's perception. Yeah. And so you have to buy the stuff you love and then educate as necessary. And then I'm going to say to you a couple things, though. I love that we're just saying to Ryan, go buy the flashy car. <laughs> go buy but, the flashy car. But the other, thing, the other thing he says is they're about to pay off the Honda Fit for his wife. She'd kind of like something a little nicer. And he's got his debate of he's got 60 to 70 grand right now. If they got rid of the Fit and they both got cars, they would have maybe as much as 80 grand to spend. So I went shopping that way. Oh, for two cars. And here's my thought. Here's really? my thought. Let's trade the whole family out. Honestly, okay. let's trade the whole family out. Hey. And I do think I do think the Cayman is the answer for you, Ryan. You already like it. It's it's going to do all the things dynamic, but it's not. I mean, it doesn't look quite as hyper exotic as as the Evora, which I love that suggestion, by the way. But I think the Cayman is is a really nice sweet spot car, especially because you're already interested. But I think you spend forty, maybe forty five on that car, and then go shopping for your wife. And maybe that's a different car debate. Find her something. But I'm going to say <clears throat> Chevy SS because you've said your wife really likes manual transmission cars and she wants something that's kind of nice. There's a car that flies <laughs> under the radar. We keep recommending it. We, we should be sponsored by Chevy, for God's sake. We should, so we can sell we them. As, anyway, but, but you know, Chevy SS is, is an idea in that regard. But you could get her a decent sedan. And I think you upgrade both. But don't buy new on either one. And you could trade your whole garage out. That, that's where I land. And you could do burnouts every Saturday morning. I mean, you and she could like Why go not? to breakfast yeah. and just you know light it up. Saturday Let's... morning burnouts. All right, light it up, baby. Let's, Let's go, go to breakfast. I mean, Saturday I, I agree. Saturday morning figure elevens. <laughs> I love that. Why is the road in front of your house just really scarred and all tarred up? No like, idea. Those teenage hooligans. Like, um. Well, no. Sorry. S- side note. You know what? You know what I keep thinking. Granted, <laughs> I'm I'm weird, but when I keep thinking, when I keep watching these Ken Block Jim Connor things, yeah, and he's leaving these. T- Terrible oh. black tire marks in circles around major, major like tourist areas yeah, with nice yeah. marble tiles and stuff. I keep thinking, who was the poor guy Monday morning when they finished shooting on his hands and knees scrubbing off tire rubber? I have that thought when I watch this. I also, when I watch them, have have the realization where I, I joke with you about it. I'm like, oh, this was first take because you'll come through some square and there's no tire marks yeah, yet. Right, and he'll leave right. tire marks the first time and leave. He'll go through another square where it's been done 15 times already. There's this huge black circle around a fountain that a week ago you know was pristine. He's coming in and the one we used was take 15 and now we're out. But I do. I think of the guy. How do you clean that up? How terrible is that job? It's, it's but, yeah, the okay. people who hate KenBlock.com. It's the marble tile scrubbers. <laughs> it's the people who have to clean up after wait, everybody. Wait, is that URL available? I, I don't know who, who'd ever go to it. But the know. people that hate KenBlock.com. Maybe it's a .org. Maybe it's a public service. It's a public service. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I think the Cayman is for you, Ryan. I, I, um, I really love that car. I think it's small and light and still, I don't think you'd get too much of a second glance. I had to suggest the Jag because it's out there. Go I do drive like the it. Jag. I do but like the I, Jag. But yep. I kind of, I'm leaning towards the Cayman too, so. No matter what, Ryan, we're saying go get a flashy car and explain yourself when necessary, which I think that's hysterically bad advice, but, <laughs> but it's what we're going to stand on because that's who we are. 
<laughs> wow. All right. Uh, well, since we've beat that one, uh, thanks, Ryan, for writing yeah. in. And we will switch to Ashton, who has entirely different needs. Um, yes, the opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> in budget and needs. Completely he's got different. Kids, he's got family hauling duties, he's got road tripping duties. None of the things in his email have asked for. It's got to be fun to drive on some canyon roads. That's not in his email. Nope. Have you noticed that? Not his world. <laughs> it's, not uh, his world. It's the minivans and it's the family stuff, but it's the we got to get out of the refrigerator. We got to get on from the flex. I don't blame you, but there's there's stuff out there, and he wants something better that is a little bit non-stained with a warranty, something new, <laughs> not something so beat on from seven years of hauling around kids that have trashed yeah. his car. Yeah. I don't blame you. It's it's going to be fun because I've got some other choices. You could consider getting a Ford Transit and being done with that, but I really don't think you're going to be happy with that. So we've got um, well, but, um, a few choices. He's here. he's enjoyed he's enjoyed that flex. It's been a good it's been good for exactly what it's intended to be. It's a family hauling road trip car, okay. And Ashton and his wife they've got two kids, so it's not like they they're debating do we even need seven seats? We have two kids, and they could obviously get by without seven. But they've liked that haul ability. There's a word mm-hmm. that probably doesn't exist, but we're going with it anyway. <laughs> uh, but along the way in here. His wife had a Camry that she sold because she got her eye on a Honda Cross Tour. And I laugh because he 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 writes in here how He's, baffled he is yeah. that she bought a Cross Tour and loves it so much. And I have to say, and I can't explain this to you, everyone I know that has a Cross Tour that saw one said, I must have that and then bought it. They're all women. I, I don't know what happened. Oh, but right. I, I know I know three or four. I know three or four people that have them and love them, and it's always the same story. Uh, I was yeah, looking for a car right. driving the other day, and I went, oh, cross tour, what is that? And then they bought one, and they love it. So, because it okay, looks so market segment, it just Market segment solved. Market segment <laughs> solved. So she has a cross tour. <laughs> he's looking for his new family hauler. And, okay, he's got about a 30 to $40 price range. He, you know, likes the flex. He could get a great deal on one because Ford can't move them anymore. But he's going, all right, I'm looking around. I don't have to have seven seats. What do you think, guys? And I've actually got a few. Yeah, and, I've got but, a few but as well. Do you want to mention the twist that his wife recommended? Because I love this. She, she's driving around in the cross tour, and she goes, hey, honey, you know what you should get? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is pretty funny. She, uh, she said, um, depending on their need, because... Ashton thinks they need three rows for cross-country trips. His wife thinks they don't need three rows. She thinks they need two. Because it's two kids, yeah. But, but then they, she threw out this twist. She thinks he could, should consider the Honda Ridgeline, the truck, <laughs> the Honda truck. Yep, yep. Essentially, buying, filling their garage with all of Honda's niche cars. That's that's pretty much that, that's the intention here. Let's, I, honey, I, let's just embrace it. I have a cross tour. You get a Ridgeline. Let's buy the small volume Honda cars and love ourselves. I mean, that's great. That's, I, I love I love that. It makes me laugh. I hope she's listening to this because I hope she laughs as well. Because Ashton wrote here. Apparently, she just can't get enough of the slow selling, awkward looking Hondas, and um, <laughs> that's kind of why we're laughing. So hopefully, she can get a laugh out of that too. I. Um, yeah, I'm 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 not all there on the Ridgeline. I maybe maybe you could make it work. The new yeah. 2017. I, I went looking actually. They're not selling the Ridgeline for 2016 anymore because they're waiting for that yeah. 2017 to drop. And they are entirely different styling. They've gone away from the you know monolith kind of 
slab-sided look. It's it's less of a box than it was. I agree with that. <laughs> very much a, a three. Talk about three box design. There's yeah. something you can look up about now. Car less boxy. Three box design. That is that is absolutely that's three our, box. That's design. our selling point. Marketing people take mm-hmm. note. Our boxy pickup truck is less boxy than before. It has a line on it. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> it has a line now down with the a side. Single curve. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to stop you on the ridgeline for a second, though, because the thing about the ridgeline, and I'm going to bring up another one as a result of that. There's nothing wrong with the ridgeline. In fact, it's one of those cars that I don't understand why it doesn't sell well, because they sat down at Honda and clearly went, what's great about a pickup? Let's accentuate that and think of new things. What's bad about a pickup? Let's try to get rid of that. Now, that mm-hmm. means the traditional pickup owners all went, well, that's soft. Well, yeah, it is softer and not quite as big, manly pickup rah, as a typical pickup, but it has cool features in it, and it works, and it's usable, which is kind of what you want a pickup for. I think the Ridgeline is a success. I do. I've always liked it, but it is an overlooked car because it exists in not quite pickup enough for the pickup world and not car-like enough for people that would never go, I, I don't ever want a pickup. Where are you? You're stuck in the middle. You're stuck in no man's land. In that same vein, I would say if you really seriously look at the Ridgeline, look at the Avalanche because it is even bigger and you're now suburban chassis. It does everything the Ridgeline does in a larger form factor. Look, it's not great on gas mileage. It's a, it's a suburban under there. But they ride great. They have very nice cabins. You can get them for a song because very few people even want one. I don't know that the Ridgeline or the Avalanche are right for you, but you should look at both. I uh, I hear you on the Avalanche, although I've always thought about the Avalanche as sort of like, I'm not a real pickup truck, but I play one on TV. I, if you're going to get that size of vehicle... Get a real pickup truck. Don't get something that's built on the Suburban chassis. Well, Go get yourself a real, live, genuine pickup truck with a solid rear axle that can tow a bunch of stuff, haul stuff. I mean, your pickup but truck. But he's, he's not looking to tow. I mean, I will say this. Just, and my dad has an avalanche. And, yeah, and my dad owning an avalanche is the thing that gave me a new perspective on it because the big difference is ride quality. Then get a Suburban. You, you ride, a, Why you ride you just a traditional a pickup. That's a question I can't answer. Uh, at that point, I honest because my dad got an avalanche because he has some land and he wanted to have something to throw stuff in the back, but he wanted really great ride quality. And if you need that, if you do need kind of a throw around bed, then the avalanche does solve that, which is what the Ridgeline's trying to do. But ride quality wise, it kicks pickups in the teeth because it ultimately is a suburban in ride quality. It's a so suburban it's a with weird less, animal, less suburbany. It's suburban with less people people movement. You're right, but it, it but if if that works for your life, and my dad is very much a niche buyer, if it works for your life, then it's great. But I think if you look at the Ridgeline, you got to look at that car. I still don't know that either one of those is the right one for yeah, Ashton. Yeah, I don't I don't see it either, Ashton. I mean, because most of your email here is writing about road trips: New Orleans, Traverse mm-hmm. City, Nags Head, North Carolina, yep. Gulf Coast of Florida. I mean, it sounds like you're on the East Coast and doing a lot of road tripping. I suppose you could make that work, but I don't think that anybody's going to say, yeah, a road trip with the kids and a bunch of stuff. A ridgeline? What? Why? Mm. What? I don't get it. So maybe, but I'm coming back to the CUVs, the SUVs, those niche vehicles that are ever so increasingly popular. I like that you suggested yep. that new Pacifica, but I didn't even go down that road. I went to some other choices, and I'll just okay. I'll just tell you some of these. I started, if, if you don't do the three-row thing, if uh, if your wife wins and you don't do the three rows, I thought of the XC60, <laughs> the Volvo XC60. It's smaller. Funny. And I thought Funny. of that because he loves this newly redesigned Mazda CX-9, 
which is actually a bit yeah. bigger than the Volvo. But he's yeah, kind of eyeballing that. Yeah, three, and it's so row. funny. Nobody ever comes to us without having some sort of, eh, I'm really eyeballing this new thing over here of that course. I don't know anything about. Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely the CX-9. You've got to go drive it. You've got to at least establish a baseline. If you like it, you might mm-hmm. love it and then go buy it. But I thought, all right, XC60, those are really great interiors. They're a little yep. bit smaller, yep. could work for your needs. But the three rows, there's some other choices here. And so then I kept well, thinking. Here, here's, I love that you went XC60, and here's why. Because the first thing I thought of for Ashton was the XC90. I just that was the first thing that came oh, to my mind. Oh, sure, like, sure. It was like it was the it was the perfect upgrade from where he's been. Now, of course, it's still three rows. You don't have to use them. Obviously, you can fold the back one down. But it's it's still three rows, but not quite as cavernous, not quite as box like as that flex. The problem is those start at just over forty. So if he's really in the thirty to forty thousand dollar range, yeah. that's really his budget, and that's the tops. Then the XC ninety is just above the range, which brought me to the XC sixty because I prefer oh, really? the ninety. I wound up there, too, for that exact same reason. I mean, I got there differently, but that's why, because I thought XC90, and then I went, oh, just above the price point. Okay, let's step down one. XC60, still a great one. I think that is worth driving, absolutely. I mean, secretly, I'm not going to suggest this, but secretly, as I was reading your email, Ashton, I got to your part where you said you're considering yourself a car guy, you like traditional luxury car, value good design, interior comfort, and effortless acceleration. And you know what I thought of is the Tesla Model S. You need stuff for kids. It's well packaged, mm. well designed. And then I kept reading. I got to your thirty to forty thousand dollars price range. I'm like, ah, dang it! Yep. But that's, secretly, that's yep. Tesla Model S is what I thought for you. But I'm not going to suggest. Well, that. and of course, you know, I thought of Tesla Model X too, which we're about to have a video for. In fact, it's coming in the next week. And <laughs> but of course, funny. that's you know, that's that's Those four are... times your budget. Yeah, exactly. So, oops, that's not in there. I I do. I'm I think XC60 is my favorite. I'm going to throw out one more. Though, okay. Because I feel like I have to. I think I know what, that it, is, what it is. You could you could get a used Cayenne if you want to go with a totally different world that that kind of touches the world of I'm a car enthusiast, but yet is a usable vehicle. You can get a used Cayenne for your budget and get a nice one. I think the XC60 is a better choice personally, but for for your situation. But I think that the Cayenne is worth going and driving because I think you may be surprised. I could get one. I would like huh. this. This is cool. I think it's worth driving. I guess I didn't see that because I thought of the car that you owned and traded in the on the Cayenne, the GMC Acadia. I thought you could Great talk car. a little bit about how usable that is. I mean, it's not an enthusiast it's, car. We know this. But it's here's the thing, though. But it's, I thought it's, it's Acadia. GM, Todd can talk about that all day long. It's the GM version of the Flex, though. And I would like to get well, yes. I would like to get Ashton into a little bit more dynamic and interesting and possibly luxurious slash sexy driving experience than he's had in the Flex. The Flex and the Acadia, honestly, it's literally which one do you prefer? They both are good for the same reasons, but neither of them are cars I would consider luxurious or dynamic. So I'm hoping to get Ashton into something that is more of both, mm-hmm. which is why I, I don't like the that. Ridgeline or the Avalanche that much, which leads me to XC60 or used Cayenne. Okay, I, have to stay I can there. see that. Although the Cayenne, I mean, it's not, he's saying close to new or maybe a couple years old. I mean, I'm thinking to go fit that price range, you might have to go a few years back. But still, it's a Porsche Cayenne. I mean, you can't, mm-hmm. hard to go wrong. Uh, but XC60, uh, brand new, hello, done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Ashton, just a couple more for you before we let you go. And that is, let's see here, the Hyundai Santa Fe caught my eye. And that's because sure. it's such a reasonable car. It's reasonable in every category. 
And you might – this Mazda CX-9 suggestion made me think, huh, who else makes yeah. something like that? Hyundai does. But mainly I landed on this Honda Pilot, this 2016 Honda Pilot, completely redesigned. Doesn't look anything like its predecessor. And I'm, it's actually yeah. kind of growing on me from a feature perspective. And we've kind of liked the, the, um, the solitude and the respite that that Honda Odyssey – uh, shoot vehicle provided us. It was just sort of this sure. getaway, and I thought, oh, maybe a pilot well, could be that too. So I don't know. The, the pilot's got to be looked at because uh, look, look, the CX nine from Mazda, the the Ford Flex, the Acadia, the Pilot. We're running through everybody's version in this category, and it, yeah. there is a debate here at some point of which one is the one that meets your needs best. Um, but I just like the curveballs here. That's what I, why the Volvo and the, and the and the Porsche strike me because it's st- you, you get into that was the thing that we had buying the, the Acadia and going into the the Cayman. I mean the Cayenne. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, is that uh, you know we had an Acadia and it was great. Get a Cayman, Ashton. It did exactly. <laughs> it did everything we needed. It did everything we needed. But my wife and I've told this story before, but I still laugh about it. I mean, I had a total idiot male moment. She came to me one day and she went, you know that show you do about driving a car you really like. And I went, yeah. And oh, she that. said, uh, I don't like my car. I-, I don't like driving my car. Yeah. It works, but I don't like yeah. it. At which point I realized, hmm, here's me painted entirely into a corner. So we went searching for something she would enjoy driving. And that was the difference. So there's nothing wrong with the new Pilot or the Acadia or the CX-9. I mean, I actually like almost everything Maz is doing right now. I just want to get you into something that you're a little more excited about. Sure, sure. Well, heck, for that matter, you could look at the Acura MDX. I don't know uh, mm-hmm. how much those are. But anyway, I'm thinking in the three-row category just because sure. we had to put yeah. something out there. I mean, the Cayenne is not a three-row car, just like the XC60 is. If you could downsize and – well, not downsize, but just sort of make it happen, I think you'll like the driving experience better of a not three-row car. Mm-hmm. But if you just have to have it, yeah, all these other suggestions that we're talking about I think should fit. And, yeah, you're just going to have to see what kind of deal you'll get. Go drive them. They're they're getting better. Mm-hmm. They're not enthusiast cars, but they're getting better. They aren't. They and aren't. they're usable. Figure and they're out great which at one that. fits they're you great at that. and what you like. So, yeah. wow, look at this. We're uh, we're rivaling this some is a of podcast our longest that's podcasts going to, ever. Yeah, this is a podcast that's going to log in at three hours. So if you aren't seated yet, you might want to be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're just exactly. getting started. We're only getting started. No, actually, that's not true. <laughs> Uh, we, we are going to cover a couple of questions from Facebook. Thank you guys for writing in with those. We wanted to cover uh, three of those really quickly. Uh, but before we move on to that, I am going to say if you have not rated the podcast, please do so. Many of you are every week when we mention that, which is why we keep mentioning it. Because when we mention it and then you rate it, then it actually bumps it up. More people find it. It stays in the top ten firmly of all automotive podcasts. We're right up there. Often we're in the top five with some huge names. That is entirely due to you guys rating and sharing so please keep doing that i like that uh looking at uh questions here on facebook that i want to mm-hmm. talk about here and we first got uh from michael is right in about our opinions on top three gt cars under one hundred and fifty thousand dollars us that are actually <laughs> worthy of the gt moniker the grand turismo moniker so that would definitely more indicate high speed relaxed cruising i mean i suppose you could take so, them on Track very duty, much a very much consumer advice for the everyday driver at this point is what we're talking about. Hey, Thank you've you got 150 perfect. grand laying around, or you just hit it big in the stock market. <laughs> we're here to help. We're here to spend your money. Um, what are you thinking? I'm thinking Aston's pop into my head a little bit. I've never mm-hmm. seen them as track duty cars, but you could get. I don't know if you can get a Vanquish 
like a used Vanquish? Probably not. There's It'd still be very lead. used because that car's 250. I mean, I would say yeah. any of, I, I agree with you on Aston, but I would say any of the Vantage versions. Any Vantage of the Vantage birds, versions would be yeah. awesome. Those are great. I definitely had that on my list. I have, uh, I have one that jumped at me when I read this question, actually. Okay. I think curious. it may be the king of this. And that is the current brand new Mercedes GTS. Ooh, I like that. I mean, yes, Ooh. you could go track duty that car. Of course you could. And we have, and I mean, I have, and it's awesome. It's really good at that. But I would happily blast across Europe in that car. That would be just awesome. It's got theater about it. It's got a nice interior. That is probably my favorite of that market segment right now. But I also think you brought it up earlier. The Jag F-Type goes here. I think it does, yeah. I mean, we don't know what that new R will be, but uh, that could definitely fit that, you know, bumping mm-hmm. up to that 150 grand price point. And I, I will say, I mean, you know, as 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 much as we talk about Porsche 911s and as much as I like them, I can't leave them out of this question because they do so many things well. And at 150 yeah. grand, you can get a turbo, 911 turbo, and that thing is going to do the same thing. It's going to be comfortable, fast, luxurious, and very fun to drive. It is. So, it is yes. I mean, I, I and I will admit when I think when I think uh, of a GT car, I think you know two seats, long hood, front engine cruiser, long hood, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so the 911 obviously falls off of that category. But I agree with you. I mean, if you're talking, if you've got to talk about the Mercedes GTS, you have to talk about the 911. They are, you know, directly designed to compete with each other. So I see how you got there for sure. Yeah. Uh, what else we've got here? Um... Ivan talking about the new Fusion Sport, and he sent us a, a link yeah. here on Road and Track about the Fusion that we've been waiting for. It's the 2017 Fusion Sport with the EcoBoost, mm-hmm. Ford's nomenclature for turbo or twin turbo. Yep, exactly. Hey, and look, we saying, made a turbo. Hey, we made a turbo. Uh, looks like it's 325 horsepower and 350 pound-feet of torque in a Fusion. All-wheel drive. Yep. Yep. I, I'm kind of about this car, to be honest. I, mm-hmm. It's not that Ford can do no wrong right now, but they are sure, just about every model, they're paying attention, and they're making something compelling well, for everybody here. They're, they are doing a fantastic job, and it actually relates to another question I want to talk about that, that Wood wrote into us about BMW's 100th anniversary and, and their cars. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Ford right now is doing a great job of making, on all of their cars, here's the bland, normal version. Then if you're an enthusiast, here is a great enthusiast variation of the same car. They're doing a really good job of that. I almost feel like across their whole lineup. And here's the fusion of all things. I mean, I remember when Ford first mentioned this, and it's probably been six months ago at least. They first mentioned this. I went, you're doing what now? I mean, very cool (laughs) idea. I mean, this feels to me me like a modern interpretation of – what the the great those great legacy GTs were uh, in the early two thousands, like the Spec B that we drove. This is oh, like a sure. modern variation of that, where it's this unassuming sedan, but yet it's all wheel drive. It's hair on fire, and it's set up to be dynamically great. I I think this is really interesting. I think this honestly fills a gap that I feel like the legacy has left. I I agree. Although I I like the sport, but. How cool would it have been if they went just a step further and did a Fusion RS? How about 450 horsepower in <laughs> all-wheel drive in hey, that car, and it just it's a throwdown? Like, 
I mean, what I like is that you're very consistent. Whatever somebody comes cool. out with a performance version, your first thought is, you know what that should do? They should give that more power. It's I love the, that that's where you go. It's the Every Bugatti Chiron time. disease. It's more, better, faster, more. Every single more, time more. you want 100 more horsepower than they're offering in the hot version. <laughs> and that never ceases to make me laugh. But at least you're consistent. Hey, I, oh, I'm, I'm consistent. All right. Uh, so Wood also writes to us. About uh, he's asking if if we have any thoughts about BMW's hundredth anniversary, which is today, as we are are uh, recording the podcast, and he's kind of alluding to BMW sort of losing its way. And I kind of I think it's funny how it's tying into our conversation at the very beginning of the podcast, where we're talking about all these hyper niche models that BMW is mm-hmm. coming out with, yeah. and have they lost their way? Have they have they kind of screwed up by doing all this, you know? You didn't know you needed an X4. I didn't know it fit between the X3 and the X5 because neither of those cars are suitable for my needs. This one's slightly too small. That was a little bit too big. I'd like an X5, but I'd like to track it. Can I go supersonic in a high chair, please? Can I get that version for BMW? Yeah, I, yeah. Wait, wait. I, you know what? The X5 has too much rear seat room. Could I get an X6? Because the X5. Oh yeah, you know, that has X6. that has way that has uh. way too much rear hatch room. I'd like to get an X6 so I have less rear hatch. But if you would be so kind, I'd like that in track variation. <laughs> so could I have an X6M, please? And then AC Schnitzer, oh. could you tune that so it'll do things that it shouldn't? Please. It already does things that it shouldn't. Ugh. The X6M is far too capable on a track. You drive it, and it, I'm sorry, it scrambles my brain every time I've been in one because I'm sitting here <laughs> going, this should not do this, and yet it does. But back to Wood's question. Have they lost their way? And I would say yes and no. They, they set out to, to not be a niche enthusiast brand anymore. I mean, that was kind of the world they created. They created the focused sports sedan. And then they realized that if you want volume, like we've been talking the whole podcast, you can't sell to the niche. You've got to sell what is what everybody wants. And then they now have splintered into what's every variation that every person might want. So they have their M cars, which remain really good, but they are one tiny slice of their 8,000 niches that they have out there. Yeah, those sure. And I also also feel like their M cars now are a dice roll. They're 50-50. Some of them are amazing. Some of them are just powerful versions of their other cars. Hmm. Okay, I can see that. I'm, I'm going to say no, they haven't lost their way. They've sort of proliferated over here with letting too many, you know, college grad marketing people sort of take control of their X division, whatever that means. But mm-hmm. the M cars, I keep coming back to the M cars and technology. So BMW is far smaller as a company than Mercedes. We talk about BMW right. Mercedes yeah. as these big giants. Mercedes is astronomically bigger than BMW. They, they dwarf huge. BMW. You're absolutely right. BMW, absolutely so right. in comparison, they are fairly small, and they're one of the last independents, if you think about it. They are mm-hmm. still owned mm-hmm. in part by a family, and the shareholders own the rest. They're still an independent car company doing things that point. bigger car companies point. are doing. So they've got the BMW Gina concept from a few years ago, and then the one that they just came out with recently with all this interesting ideas, all these interesting technologies for their 100th anniversary has got me really intrigued, but they're not they're not ignoring the performance and the enthusiasts mm-hmm. with the M3. Every What car do we compare just about everything to? It's the 3 Series. You don't... You're right. You don't screw up over time by not having that as the benchmark for every category. 
So I will mm -hmm. say no, even though, yeah, there's all these kind of other weird things and the I-8 is pushing it. I want to see them push into technology more, but it's coming. Yeah. They still have an yeah. enthusiast base, but they've got all these concept cars that are, wow, Mercedes isn't doing that. Porsche isn't even doing that. That's very intriguing. Yeah. And plus, they're still independent. So I will say uh, I will say no. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for more than an hour of podcast madness. We really are wrapping up, thankfully, finally. And <laughs> you're probably going, I have to get into work. My commute's been over for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, but uh, but we are here for video. Remember, we have videos as fast as we can. We shoot to have one out every Thursday. This calendar year will probably be about every probably about three Thursdays of the month. So we'll miss probably maybe one week a month. But uh, we are pushing out videos as fast as we can. We have our Model X very intensive 20-minute discussion on the Model X review. That is coming up soon. Plus, we have that uh, two Jeeps comparison that we shot. Oh, we yeah. We also have right. some Audi sedans in the can. We've got some new shoots coming up. This week, we are actually tuning the FRS, and that video is coming. So uh, lots of madness on the way. Thanks for being with us for all of those. Yeah, sure. Appreciate it. And let us know what you think about the extra podcast. We're really considering this and being able to tackle more of your questions since uh, all of the robots are reading all your questions anyway. Just kidding. Anyway. Yes, exactly. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Talk to you next week.